So I need to change my tone a bit. There are about nine industries that I think we all can agree are probably not going to be significantly affected by the by this recession coming up here. I was on a call with one of my facilitators with Beyond Brand. And she was explaining to me about her um her career within within um oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Her career within government contracts and government contracting and explaining how they're probably not going to slow down hiring for a few objective reasons. And then that kind of got me thinking, there's a lot of industries that are not going to slow down hiring. And I'll give you a few that I think are pretty big and that might pertain to, to this organi- to this podcast. Um, I think a lot of companies within the technology slash financial sector uh, probably won't slow down. I think a lot of companies in the information technology sector won't slow down. I think telecommunications won't slow down. I think obviously healthcare services and providers will not (laughs) slow down at all. Um, I think auto maintenance and utility service companies around, I think the technology that backs those two, um, those two lanes, those two, those two verticals probably won't slow down very much. I think um, children's goods and the dating industry probably won't slow down. Now, I'm, I am cautious of this because children's goods and the dating industry are not... Children's goods are necessities and everyone's always going to date. But, um, but, I, but my gut tells me if... If individuals' finances start to take a little bit of a hit, I could see it turning into a situation where it slows down from a, um, yeah, I could see this one slowing down because I guess, and and the reason why I'm pausing is I'm thinking while I'm talking, children's goods, it depends on the if it's a luxury product, a luxury good an affordable good. I think the, I think the goods that are affordable, I think the goods that, that, uh, really make their money off of, of, uh, of selling at scale in bulk are probably going to have success and win. And I think obviously the dating industry to a certain degree, again, if it's affordable, if their business model is structured off of bulk and scale, they'll probably still win as well. And, and then I think the last are carrier services, right? Rain, shine, or recession, packages will be delivered. I don't think we can ever deny that. So as big as the Amazons of the world or the FedExes of the world and the UPSs of the world to all the other ancillary companies that are that are in between. So why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because I think I've been shying away from making content, sharing advice, giving perspectives around hiring. And I don't think I've now changed my tone where I don't think it's impossible, okay, for companies in some of these categories here to begin hiring and start hiring and continue to hire. And then also for the companies that maybe are not going to be proactively hiring, I also have a bit of advice for you still as well. I want to talk about the fact that people in general that live inside of these companies day to day oftentimes try to put the candidate and put the employee on the hot seat. What I mean by that is oftentimes 
these organizations, let's talk about candidates first. These organizations put the candidate on the hot seat and they're trying to get the candidate to sell them why the candidate will be a great fit for this organization. Why the candidate should be accepted out of the 100 or 200 or 5,000 candidates that are applying for the same role. Why the candidate should be someone that they should seriously look at. And all the great reasons of why. And oftentimes when they go through that process, they're explaining to the candidate, and I, and I actually agree with this to a certain degree, they're explaining to the candidate, this is going to be a very grueling interview process. We're going to ask you a ton of questions. We're going to have you sell and pitch yourself to a level and a degree that I don't think you're accustomed to, maybe even comfortable with or used to. And they go on and go on and explain these variables and they're taught these variables from folks like James, uh, James Cameron. Um, oh my gosh, that's the guy that makes Avatar. Uh, what's the guy's name? I just listened to his podcast. Um, Cameron Harold, rather. And others that are a big advocate of being very direct, very, um, yeah, direct's the, probably the best word to use when communicating to talent about what the interview process is going to be like, because from his perspective, from those people's perspective, they feel the more direct you can be, the higher probability you are to push people away that maybe are not a good fit or that are not accustomed or ready for that type of a grueling process, which will allow you to cut down your time to hire and get closer to the people that will actually be a good fit. Now, that may be true, and I agree with that to a certain degree. But why can't we flip it around a bit? Why can't we actually be the company, be the people, have a process where we're saying the following. Hey, look, we're going to tell you all the things about us at a very raw level and either you get used to it or you get excited about it or it's a good fit for you or it's not. And frankly, we're going to be very direct. We're going to be very blunt. We're going to have a New York style energy to this conversation and this interview process where we're going to tell you very deep variables of who we are and how we move and how we work in this department. And we want you to really, really, really understand what you're getting into because we don't want to waste our time. We don't want you to waste your time. And frankly, we don't want to fire you because we want you to be as productive as possible, as fast as possible. So we're going to be direct. We're going to be blunt. We're going to be honest. We're going to be candid. And um, if you are ready for a process, an interview process like that, then uh, then get excited and let's go through it. And um Let's get going here. And that's a little bit of a different tone and a different tune than a lot of companies do. Because a lot of companies, number one, as you all have heard me talk about at scale, are not ready, are not excited to be vulnerable and candid and honest. A lot of companies, if they take the approach of trying to talk about themselves, they do so in a way that is incredibly flattering. They do so in a way that makes them feel and look and come off like they are the greatest company on the face of the planet. And then it's just objectively not true unless you're, and that's not even true. I was going to say unless you're Apple's of the world and Amazon's of the world and Netflix of the world. But, you know, but in order, if, you're, if your objective goal is to get in front of the best talent, communicate to that talent, have that talent understand if this is going to be the best company for you. And really more importantly than all, all of that, have that talent be a day-to-day true operational fit then your best bet will be to be as honest, as direct, and as clear as you can, as early as you can, and do so in a very 
tangible, contextual, detailed New York energy at three in the morning after 19 shots of tequila away. <laughs> and I'm joking around, obviously, but I honestly, to a certain degree, mean that. Because again, Cameron Harold has been the motivation of this particular episode here. And he was kind of explaining again how honest and how direct and how vocal he was about explaining to the candidates, look, we're going to ask you question after question after question after question after question after question after question to get down to the deep nuances of what, what's really happening here. So what I want to do is I want to share a couple of categories within Beyond Brand to help you all out. Because if you are going to take this more blunt and direct approach by explaining to an applicant what it's really going to be like in this department, but do so from an angle of do so from an angle of where you're honestly trying to push away candidates that won't be a great fit and scare them away a bit so that you get closer to the right people, so that you get closer to giving away as many secrets as you can to ramp up to productivity as fast as possible for those that you decide to hire. I want to hop into a few here, right? So let's go for role fit from a new hire point of view. One thing that I think you as an organization should explain is how much autonomy this new role is going to have on very particular tasks. And then the reasons why they're not going to have as much autonomy as they may have a desire to have on certain tasks and give them a time window of how they can build trust and credibility and nuance with you to be able to go from, okay, you only have certain autonomy and here's what we mean as autonomy on these three tasks, but these 10 tasks over here, you don't have autonomy on. And that seven task delineation, here's what it's going to take to build trust with me personally, um, build my build my overall confidence with you. Getting into a very granular seven minute rant just on that piece alone is going to be incredibly important. And I'm going to tell you why. There may be certain candidates that you talk to. There may be certain candidates that you come across where the exact reason why they left their previous companies is because they did not have autonomy. The exact reason why they didn't leave their company is because they didn't have autonomy, possibly around the back end seven variables that you just said you're not going to give them autonomy around in, let's say, their first 90 days or six months. And that is something they feel inherently they deserve to have autonomy around. They want to have autonomy around. But you as a leader are being honest with them that they're not going to have that. And you explain that to them in interview one. Don't you think that would save you as well as that candidate tons of time to figure out that this is not going to work? Don't you think whether the candidate is bold enough, honest enough, direct enough to say it in that meeting or bold enough or honest enough to direct enough to send you an email or just honestly bow out of the race in a very empathetic and polite way? Don't you think when that candidate leaves the interview and they're sitting at home and they're thinking about the next steps and you offer them a next step interview potentially because they didn't say it in the interview. Don't you think that candidate is going to say to themselves, that is exactly why I just left my previous company. I am not going to work out here. It is not going to work because they just told me the truth. I, you know, I, I've once thought of myself as a, as a, as a dating coach to a certain degree. And I've always wanted, you know, men, women, um, however you identify, I've always wanted individuals, people to be as viscerally honest as they can in that first dating moment. 
And I think I've done that well with my wife. The first two, three weeks with my wife, I was so candid, so honest about all the things that were effed up about me, all the things that I was working on personally, all the things that I didn't have quite figured out yet. And I said, this is who I am. Here's who I'm trying to be, but this is who you're probably going to get for the first year or two years in this relationship. Take it or leave it. And my mom, God bless her soul, she is always saying to me, you know who you're getting in bed with. And she doesn't mean bed in an appropriate way. She means relationships, marriage, friendships, etc. She says, you know who you're getting in bed with. So don't get upset and surprised two, three weeks later when they change up or they surprise you and act different. You know who you were dating. You knew who you were marrying. So you need to be okay with that. They told you, right? And I don't think enough companies and I don't think enough employees have that opportunity to tell each other. So that's just one variable. Speed and workflow. Does the team work on a cadence, sprint, or particular vision? And if so, and all companies do, Paint that picture very, very vividly. I know, I'll tell you about an example. I had a co-founder that I interviewed and brought into my startup EX company with my uh, my dear friend, Angela. And we brought on a third partner. Now, Angela and I had a very similar workflow. Angela and I really worked well together. But this particular individual that we were bringing into the company we had extremely different workflows. And this is probably something I wish I would have explained or I should have explained, she should have explained, we should have found out about each other around the workflow differences early on in the process. And when I say early on in the process, I'm obviously referring to the interview. And we didn't do that. And so eventually, about a month and a half in, after nine very intense arguments, and after a moment where she disrespected my character, disrespected my intellect, we decided to part ways. And it was literally off of the premise of a workflow. And what I mean by those that may not be understanding what I'm saying is, I'll give you a very direct example. The ways that I want, the ways that I worked around, like I was a 30%, I was a 30% individual, 70% collaborator. What I mean by that is, if there's something I'm trying to get done, right? Like if I'm trying to build out a new program, which I actually am right now, a new service, I will do the bare bones of pricing, the bare bones of what the elements of the service is going to be, the bare bones of how we'll market it, the bare bones of the partnerships that we'll need, but it will not be a fully baked out plan quite yet. I'll get us to about 30 to 40% of 100% completion. But for that other 60%, but for that other 70%, I will need to drop what I'm doing after 30 or 40% and call on my partners to have them bring their expertise and their points of view to the table. And frankly, it's a necessity. It's not a nice to have. It's not a, oh, I kind of want this. It's, no, I'm not the best person to get us to 80, 90%. But as soon as I bring in people to collaborate with me to get me to 80 or 90%, that's when I am great at finalizing the last 10% and getting us across the finish line. She was the complete opposite. She wanted to see about 50, 60% from me and her definitions and, and the way that she looked at 50, 50, 60% from a workflow perspective was very, very, very different than my 50 or 60% from a workflow perspective. So I say all this to say, when it comes down to all of these nuances around workflows, 
it's so important because the, the speed in which this new hire um, or this candidate, rather, in this example, the speed in which this individual may work may be completely different than the speed in which you need them to work or, th or that you're accustomed to them working as a leader. And that was another factor. Her standard of uh, she came from extremely high performing teams in Fortune 500 world. I come from being 19 and starting a company from scratch out of my freaking parents, uh, out of my freaking childhood bedroom on a on an iPad. <laughs> right. Very different worlds. She had all the tools, all the resources, all the Yale and Harvard graduates at her disposal. I had a Baltimore, Maryland education, two months at West Virginia and uh, a high school graduation and a, and a, and a half ass janky uh, uh, you know, iPad, right? And 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 a bunch of loose thoughts. So our our worlds were very different, and so the speed in which I was willing to work, or able to work, or accustomed to work, and the workflows which, which in which I was able to work, I was comfortable working, I was excited to work, were very different. I'll give you one more. Tell me about your most challenging client. Or employ. What makes that challenge? Um, what makes them a challenge and how do you support? Oh, no, actually, I'll change it. This is for service industries here. This will actually be very valuable. It says, tell me about your most challenging client. What makes them a challenge and how do you support your employees when managing this client? Being able to say to an applicant, here's an example of our most challenging client. And here's the availability, the accessibility, the 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 access, the support, the handholding, the lack thereof handholding, the 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 ways that I will help and support you when it pertains and when it comes down to a client interaction or a client issue. Here's what I will do to support you. Being able to explain that at a very detailed level is incredibly important, and I'll tell you why. Maybe once again. Why this individual left their companies, they felt a very low level of support from their leader or their supervisor as it pertains to and as it pertained to client support, client interaction, client situations, managing of clients. And maybe they were just done. They were done with their leader not having their back. They were done with not having enough support. They were done with not having enough resources. They were done not having as enough answers to be able to say to the client in real time to be able to solve and handle a problem. These are real factors. So being just real and honest, like, look, I'm not going to be around. We're going to do our very best to train you and, up, and upskill you to be able to handle and manage this client A to Z without me being in, in, in the fold. Because right now, my bandwidth is limited, and here's why. And if that is a problem, then this is not going to be the place for you. Saying that directly is, is actually the root of Beyond Brand. Beyond Brand is not about folding or molding or being more, trying to make things more inclusive from a, from a, from a fake it to you make it perspective, beyond brand at the core essence is look, look, just be honest. Just tell them who you are. Lay it all out. Take off the makeup. Show them what you look like at 6 a.m. Just do it. What's the worst that can happen? Oh, I'll tell you, what's the what's the best thing that can happen? The best thing that can happen 
is a very high level, skilled, attractive applicant that you really want in your company doesn't join your company because the second they come there and the second you give them that 300K or the second you give them that 90K or the second you give them that 100 and, I don't know, 65K, they don't leave your company after six months because, because of some of these variables. I'd rather find someone that's a little less talented but going to be a great fit and have great alignment and a great level of perseverance to upskill themselves personally because they now know what they're getting into. So now they do the proactive work to be a great fit. I'd rather want, I'd rather take that than someone that's off the charts on paper and then gets in the company and they're just not a good fit. And they turn themselves out. Now, last thing before I run here, I'll switch this around for our new product here. Our new product that we're rolling out here with Beyond Brand is also for, is also doing the exact same thing. But it's for those companies that maybe are going through a hiring freeze right now. You want to try to build some alignment. Why is this important? Well, it's important for a very simple factor. Right now, it looks like 2022 is really going to go through a rough time. Right? Right now, it seems like 2022 is going to go through a really, really tough time. What I mean by that is, it seems as though in 2022, 2023 rather, I'm sorry, I keep saying 2022, it seems as though companies that are going to be going through a hiring freeze are going to have to try to utilize, maintain, and sustain high levels of productivity. So their lack of new hires, their lack of proactive resources and energy in the marketplace does not turn into a lack of production, a lack of sales, or a drop off of sales. You want to at least flatten out. So the people they have here need to be aligned. So let's get into some of these elements here, right? Tell me about some late nights or weekends you have worked in the past three months. Let's flip that around for an alignment perspective. Tell me how many late nights and weekends will be coming up over the next three months because of X, Y, and Z. And here's why there's going to be some late nights. Here's why there's going to be some weekends. Here's what we're going to be doing within that time frame. And here's why it's going to be a valuable impact and income or impact and some income. And here's what we're trying to do to make sure that it doesn't last longer than three to six months. Be candid and open with your, your, your current employees about that factor, about those realities. Explain that to them. I give you another one here. What percentage of the team have personal commitments outside of work and how flexible is your department? around those other commitments outside of work, around allowing them to work on other endeavors, other businesses, etc. You can flip that around and say, here's why moving forward, other personal commitments outside of work are not going to be tolerated. Here's why we're adjusting and changing that flexibility. Give you another one. When's the last time you took PTO and how long, and how long was it for? This is a question that we would typically ask to a leader. Let's flip that around. When's the next time you plan on as a leader taking PTO? Is PTO going to be something that is going to be adjusted here over the next six months due to some of the some of the changes that we're going to be enduring due to this recession, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it's going to be? I'll give you the last one here. If a new hire is going to debate how they should approach, if, that, if a new hire is going to debate, how should they approach that debate in a way that will garner your respect? 
That actually doesn't need to get changed. Only thing we got to change with that is a new hire to, if your current employees right now are going to debate some of the adjustments, some of the strategies, some of the new changes that are going to be implemented in the 2023 world, how should they approach and go, how should they approach and attack and, and conduct those debates in a way that will garner your respect? That question is probably the best one that I brought up. That question right there is going to sustain alignment because what it's going to do is it's going to, and again, I want you as a leader to be honest, be real, be direct, take off the makeup, show me what you look like at 6 a.m., baby. Just do it. I promise you it's going to work. Explain to your current employees, look, in the in Q1 through Q3 of 2023, there's going to be a lot of changes, and here are going to be some of those changes. So if you want to debate or push back around those changes, don't, and here's why. Or please do, and here's how to do so in a way that will make me feel comfortable, that will not trigger me, that will give us the space, the autonomy, the, 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 the flexibility, the moment to go through the ebbs and flows of the debate. That is the best way you can do it. That will provide value to everyone involved. So what's the summary of this whole rant? The summary of this rant is very simple. Transparency is going to be the number one skill moving forward in a 2023 world. If you are a company going through a hiring freeze, if you're a company that's not even going to be impacted by the recession, if you're a company, period. There are too many changes. There are too many personality differences. There are too much shit happening in the world today. There's too much happening. The, the biggest thing that we can all appreciate is transparency that we so that we can all feel inclusive, so that we can all live and work inside of a reward response and not a threat response and not a threat state, a reward state, so that we can all have every single piece of our brain firing in all the right cylinders, not the wrong cylinders, and so that we can all feel psychologically safe. Because it is equally as important, and yes, I use the word equally as an E1B2 guy, it is equally as important for the business leaders and the managers at large to be psychologically safe, as well as the employees that report to those individuals. Big statement. So, as always, just a few thoughts, definitely just a few perspectives. I would love to hear feedback on these. We'll talk soon.